Hi, I'm Thea DeLeon, and you are listening to The Optimal Podcast. Well, what can I say? It's been a crazy few weeks. The entire world has been struggling to deal with the coronavirus pandemic. Many of us have isolated ourselves as instructed by our governments, and entire cities are under lockdown. I wanted to make an episode dedicated to documenting this time period because, well, this is the first time I faced anything like this in my lifetime. And the world is changing so fast. I wanted to examine the impacts of this pandemic from different viewpoints around the world. So I asked people if they could submit their thoughts and experiences throughout the past few weeks. In this episode, we hear from the personal experiences of Haz and MM from the Philippines, Peter Danes from the Czech Republic, Eric Michael Pearson from the USA, Ernest from Taiwan, and Eric Kim from South Korea. These submissions were more or less documented within the same time period. Let's start with the Philippines, where this podcast is produced. As you guys know, I'm Haz, and I actually live in Mandaluyong City in the Philippines, which is in the national capital region. And I am currently living alone. So there's nobody else with me, it's just me. Mandaluyong City is in a deep lockdown. So they either closed the road and barricaded it, or there's a checkpoint. So it's very hard to find your way into Mandaluyong City without having to talk to the army or the barangays or local government units. In terms of the Philippines, we are now in enhanced community quarantine. Well, today is mid-April and it's been going on for about a month now. We were supposed to have actually ended enhanced community quarantine today. April 13 but the government actually extended the quarantine for two more weeks honestly I think the government is doing the best that it can and it might not have the best people for this current situation the president has decided to give a lot of responsibility to the local government units so it's the local government units, the LGUs, that determine the, what the policy will be for their own area. Which is why, for example, Mandaluyong is pretty much a no-man's land, while other areas like Makati are much more easy to pass through. Other ways they've been handling it is the president has also requested for private companies to do their best to try to help with what's happening right now with the virus. So he's asking for the help of large private companies who have the money to help. And a lot of these corporations are actually doing quite a lot to help insofar as donating goods, donating PPEs, finding ways to transport frontliners from their house to their hospitals. I think these private companies have to be applauded. It's very bad for the economy for there to be any sort of quarantine. 
because you're stopping people from working. You're stopping money from going around. So this is especially bad for contractual workers who they get paid by the day. This is bad for small and medium enterprises because small and medium enterprises, they're just trying to get by each month as well. We try to do our best. Like I have advanced payroll, for example. I have uh, advanced 13-month pay, Christmas pay, just so we can do our best to help the people in our company. But it's been very hard because, of course, there's no money going in. It's just a lot of expenditure. The government has been trying to help. So they've been helping by creating certain policies. So, for example, the Department of Labor has this program wherein companies can send an application to their department and request for aid for the staff, for the workers. But right now, they're flooded with applications. So I think as of now, only 800 or 900 companies have been given uh, any aid and the rest are still waiting. Socially, everyone is practicing social distancing. Most people are wearing masks. Um, even when you go to the supermarket, people are generally very orderly. They're standing 1.5 meters apart, 2 meters apart. There are lines that extend from the entrance of the supermarket all the way to like maybe even 100 meters or more of people waiting because the supermarket will only allow a certain number of people to be inside the supermarket at one given time. The other thing is deliveries are still taking place. So this is a way for people not even to leave their house. They can get their goods delivered straight to them. It just sometimes takes longer. Like you have to wait a much longer period of time. Since I live alone, I have less to worry about. But if I go to the grocery, I will make sure I wear a mask. I actually wear a double mask, a surgical mask. And then a cloth mask on top of that. I don't use outside shoes inside. I sanitize all my groceries with a spray. I spray the interior of my car. I spray the door handles, etc., etc. I do practice as if there was somebody living in my house. I still don't want to be infected by anything. And I don't want to infect anyone with anything. But I'm doing it because it's my duty more than because I actually am worried. I do go out, but I go out for my for myself. I don't go out really to see people or to see friends, but I'm totally okay also staying in one place. I'm totally content. It's easy for me to adapt. I can eat the same thing over and over and over again if I have to. I have nothing to complain about, really. I have food, I have water. I have internet. Okay, when it comes to challenges, I'm not worried about myself, but I'm worried about my staff. So as a manager and as a person who looks at the business as a whole, I'm stuck in the middle because I know what their needs are. At the same time, I know what my company's needs are. So this has been my biggest challenge, honestly. I know that they're having a very difficult time because of the circumstances that they're in. Some of them are paid day by day, and some of them, they have other circumstances, like family that they have to think about, family that they live with, you know. Some of these people, they earn more than me. 
but they have other mouths to feed as well. So I'm looking at their needs and their pleas. As the boss, they will come to me and they'll ask if there's any way we can help them. And I'm also looking at the position of the company and seeing, okay, what happens if I give this? Can the company survive? Can the company survive with the idea that I will have zero sales for the next month, the next two months? How will the future look like because my suppliers are closed? So it will take how long before I can get stocks back and I have to pay for those stocks. Will my company be even open by the time the quarantine is finished? What's worse, not giving now and ensuring that they have a job when the quarantine is over or giving them aid now but then they have no job to go back to. It's hard. It's hard because you're confronted by the needs and the emotions of people you really care about and people who you're responsible for. Yeah, I think that has been my biggest challenge. And it's something that I constantly have to come to terms with. I constantly have to ask myself, am I doing the right thing? And it's really, it's difficult. I'm not sure how things are going to play out. I think that right now everybody is confused. When the quarantine is over, people are still going to be confused. They're still going to be trying to figure out what is the right way for them. Some people are going to have it easier than others. I'm really not sure how this will affect the future. I just know that it will affect it greatly. So my name is MM. I'm based in Makati. When news broke out in December, people were already, at least online, they were voicing out to do travel bans. A lot of the, the citizens are very aware of the socioeconomic problems we have. Yeah, first off, we're an island, right? And it's not just one island, it's 7,000 islands. And the only time they actually started paying attention was, I think, February? You have thousands of people flying into the, this country on a daily basis and thousands, like thousands and thousands of Chinese nationals coming from China for work, uh, for leisure and everything. Like Boracay alone has direct flights. So you do get worried, right? Because, you know, it's just, it's just too much for our country to handle. But, I mean, nothing was really happening until maybe February. Like, it was very weird that, like, they said, oh, we only have two positive cases. That's it. And you're just like, really now? Just two? Just two, right? And nobody was, like, reporting or you see that people aren't really taking the, this thing so seriously. So, eventually, they decided to to close and do a quarantine. From what I've read, there were cases, but because it, testing wasn't really done, deaths were just due to respiratory illnesses or cardiac arrest and whatnot. So again, I'm very dubious that we only had two cases in the beginning. I mean, statistically, it just doesn't make sense, right? We're a very populated country. We're a very populated city. So, that you know, you have flights in and out, and if there were no bans or no limitations to the travel between the cities, between provinces, between countries... They're kind of like, hmm, and yet other countries are like spiking up, right? So 
we're doing social distancing and we and there's like a quarantine within NCR in Metro Manila distancing ourselves from everybody it's a little bit difficult in terms of like work and economic because a lot of the businesses are small businesses which need to operate to survive and those who work for them also need to work to get it's a no, no work no pay kind of scheme so i'm not sure if they thought it thoroughly when they announced it because it's like oh we'll be closed for one month but then you're also thinking one week without pay and a lot will go hungry and when they did a lockdown um they also stopped public transportation but then they also expect skeletal work to still happen but then you're like how do you get the skeletal work to come in if most of your employees are outside of metro manila do you expect them to walk right or things like that or or even thinking like okay how are you going to do markets these things are going to be so populated so i mean i guess they're trying to find the best course of action but you know sometimes i just think like you need to really sit down and think about it thoroughly. My uncle, he and his family went on a trip to Japan in February and they arrived back in Manila, Feb 27. And then he started feeling the symptoms. They tried to get themselves tested, but the hospital didn't let them. They had to really try to convince the hospital to test them because they were like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling feverish, like really, this is different. So, of course, like he messaged everybody in the family because we had a grand reunion on the 29th of February. So, of course, like, you know, we're also worried, like, are we carriers and, or am I going to get sick as well? Like, when I found out about it, I was very worried because it's like, you know, after that reunion, I go to work and I meet different people or I'm just thinking about my staff. One of them is pregnant. So, I'm, you know, you're just very worried for everybody else's well-being. And I was also thinking, oh, what about my boyfriend? His mom has chronic kidney disease. And so, like, he was exposed too. And, you know, you just, a lot of, like, ifs, when, buts happen. And you're just trying to connect dots and see where it's, like, spreading. You know what I mean? It's like, it really is a rippling effect. And we were, like, bugging him often because we were just like, hey, so did you get any update or is, is there anything? And none, like he was very quiet and we were just like, if you need anything, let us know. But everybody also wants to know, do you have it? Do you not have it? And he found out like about 10 days later. Well, at least like DOH would say like, oh, you'll find your results within three to five days, right? But then you're waiting 10 days and a lot can happen in 10 days, right? But supposedly the reason why the delay happened is because there are a lot of VIP testings where, you know, these big, of course, these politicians... I mean, they're just really self-serving. Demanded that they be prioritized first, so it it you 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 know what it is like when you when you mess the system, or you know you cut. There's a lot of slack to pick up because you pause one thing, you put in another, and you know the flow just doesn't work as efficiently as it could be. Thankfully, like it wasn't bad. Um, he just said it was a very 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 intense flu right that you're just writing it out he has no more symptoms feels fine um he had himself tested again so we're waiting for the results to see if it's if he tests negative both times but you know it's, it's things like that where you just kind of you're like gosh 
takes more than 10 days to know what about all these people who are in the hospital waiting for treatment and they can't like administer it until they get the results like statistically we have one of the highest death rates and we also have the lowest recovery rate i think at the end of the day it's like things would probably work out better for us if we just remove all these red tape i mean i know there are a few good people there but with this amount of red tape or the sort of like cultural thinking uh, me and my family first or me and my friends first before thinking of the community as a whole brief background i live with my with my parents my dad is 69 and my mom is 67 my dad also was hospitalized twice last year for acute pancreatitis like he was in the icu for seven days and then was in the hospital for about a month and a half he had so many tubes on him. He draw, He lost a lot of weight. There was a lot of muscle atrophy and all of that. And then a couple of months after, he gets hospitalized again. So, you know, things like that, you kind of get paranoid and you're worried because you don't want something to happen, right? My mom is asthmatic. You know, she's quite healthy. Like, she exercises six times a week. She has a lot of stamina, I have to say. But... Nonetheless, right, you're still worried because it's still within that age range, right? You know, there's nothing else to do except to listen to the news and see what the latest updates. And even if you go online, that's all what you see, at least like on Facebook, right? That's where I get my news now. And it does make you paranoid. It, it really does. But my boyfriend be like, this is high levels of anxiety. And I'm like, I don't feel it. I don't feel like I'm anxious or anything or I'm stressed. I'm just... I may be a little paranoid, but in my head, it's like better safe than sorry because I don't want to endanger my family. You know how like when your brain starts to play with you, when you think about something, because I really believe that the brain is a very powerful thing, right? When you start thinking about something, it can actually start manifesting it. So at some point, I had a sore throat and my mom also got a sore throat. So we were also paranoid, like, oh my God, did we catch it? You know, you don't want yourself to be compromised in any way, right? If you get sick, that still opens you up to the virus. But after a while, like, I decided, you know what, I'm just like, I'm still going to watch the news and stuff. But just keep in mind, uh, can't really do anything about it except write it out, right? <laughs> That's it. I exercise almost daily. I do at least like three types of exercises a day. Again, like maybe 20 minutes of jogging, maybe an hour or 30 minutes of yoga and an hour of Pilates or you do 40 minutes of bar. So yeah, it's just, just keep yourself a little bit more occupied. But I find myself in Instagram more often now than on Facebook because it's a little bit more light there. And I choose to just look at the stories because like on Instagram stories, people are more or less very positive or it feels like a like a normal day like people are still showing their food pictures of their pets and stuff so i'm like okay it's 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 like the status quo so it, it's a little bit more okay like when you're on facebook you just see all these articles or news updates or you know um suffering and everything and you just feel so bad because you know, you're here at home, you're doing your part by staying, but you're also feeling very guilty that there are other people there who don't have it as well as you do. You want to help out, but you know that 
how. Like, okay, fine, I can donate to certain groups that can do like food drives or whatnot, but you know, you still feel guilty in that sense. Because there's like a really big difference between the classes, right? And who gets affected most on this? It's it's not the middle class. It's not the rich or anything. It's those who work on a day-to-day basis. And you can't 100% rely on the government. They said that they would give out monetary assistance. I filed for it for my workers, and it's been almost a month, and nothing has happened yet, right? So you're worried. Like, you know, we advanced their salaries and everything, but... Again, there's only so much. You just tell yourself you do you do the best of what you can do in your abilities. Just hope and pray for the best, right? <laughs> My biggest challenges. Okay, well, one thing I'm an extrovert, highly extroverted person. Um, I work in a restaurant. I've been in the restaurant industry for over ten years, and I'm very used to that lifestyle in the sense that I am hardly ever home. I usually go home to sleep, that's it, and then I go out to work. I meet I meet hundreds of people every day. So it's it's a very fast paced lifestyle. And it's a big shift, you know, because of this quarantine. You stay at home and you interact with your family. I mean, I love them to death, but it's different because like I'm so used to meeting different people every day, talking and trying to resolve problems <laughs> that's happening in the restaurant and it's a big shift. So I remember I at some point, I called my boyfriend and I was like crying to him because it just wasn't hitting my extroverted needs. I, I know I'm very thankful for technology. Like I can call people or I do video calls. I'm messaging people nonstop, but it's still very different. I really look for that human interaction. And it, my need is I needed to be a different person all the time. It's something that I had to get used to. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit better now. Like, you know how, like, you go through different stages of grief? I'm I'm at, at, I'm at the point where it's, like, acceptance. Where it's just like, okay. No, I, I really do think, like, how people are reacting now is, like, is basically grief in a sense. Like, how do you react with a sort of a death, right? It's It's a death of your old lifestyle, and it's a transition to a new kind of thing. And it's not something that you purposely chose to happen right you willingly want to do it and you're mentally prepared for it it's like we were all just put into this position and you're just trying your best to understand and cope right so first few weeks i was cry. you know i'd cry i feel anxious a little i'd be irritated and stuff but now it's kind of like slowly sinking in and you're just like okay next step acceptance and moving on right what do we do next? Well, it sounds funny also, but like you know when you watch like a lot of these like end of the world movies where people are like, ah, there's a lot of pandemonium everywhere and like, you know, rampage and run sacking and everything. It's a complete opposite what's happening right now. And it's really nice to kind of witness it in the sense that you see a lot of people doing volunteer work or doing like fundraising. You know, they meet someone and they offer them rides and or sometimes they say like here take a thousand because I know you you know you you were looking for work. You know, there's still a lot of good in this world, despite anything. And I just I'd like I like that and you know, it's something to hold on to. That 
the movies got it wrong. <laughs> We're not as assholey as we think we are. There are many good people out there. Like even those who have hardly anything in their homes, like they still like set aside money so that they can feed like street dogs or they can like feed like homeless people or they're they're just collecting as much bread as they can so that whoever they see on the way will just give you bread. So there are really a lot of good Samaritans out there and I'm so proud and I'm so amazed for that. At this time, cases in Europe and North America are continuing to spike up. Let's hear from Peter Danes from the Czech Republic and Eric Michael Pearson from the USA. I will be reading the submission of Peter Danes from the Czech Republic. My name is Peter Danes. I'm currently living in a small city in the Czech Republic with my girlfriend and my 8th month old son. Since the outbreak started, we have entered quarantine. Everything is closed. Only food markets and pharmacies are open. All of this happened in the middle of March 2020. Many of us still have jobs, but there are also many people who have lost their jobs and are now struggling to adapt with those standards of living. We are trying to stay home as much as we can. The few times that we do go out to get supplies, we must wear masks. We are trying our best to prioritize and protect our elderly. In the morning, people over the age of 65 are the only ones welcomed in the markets. It is only after 10 a.m. when the rest of us can enter. Currently, we lack a lot of medical masks, so people are making them on their own and also donating them for free for people in need. As the situation continues, the government is trying to support us by giving money to those who do not have income. The companies, which have had to shut down their businesses, are giving 60% of the usual income to their employees. Those who are still in business are giving 80%. Banks are also offering to postpone mortgages and payments to people. My only challenge for now is to overcome fear and fight depression in such dark times. Many of us have been facing depression now because the disease has ripped us of the lives we were used to and nobody knows when all of this is going to end. Many of us live in fear of the consequences of the economy and how it will affect our lives. I greatly fear a big economic crisis. Thankfully, I have my family with me to keep me going. I am trying to look for the light in the dark and I hope many of us will change our attitudes in this world as I have. My life has changed so much since the pandemic started and so has my perception of the world. Since this quarantine period has started, I have seen many things. I have seen people come together to help each other. I have seen people lose their jobs and places to live. I have seen people apathetically robbing and kicking out families from their flats onto the street. The problems in my life, like making money and paying bills, they all pale in comparison to what I've seen. I realized I can no longer stress myself out with making money because this, it loses its meaning in a world that doesn't make sense properly. Now I no longer dwell on materialism. Right now, you cannot turn money into food or turn money into a safe place to sleep. Fulfilling everyone's basic needs is more important than being rich. I feel like right now, we must help each other and put money aside. 
We can always make the money back, but we cannot give someone their lives back. I want to be the part of the good that is happening around the world and not the bad. Let's protect each other. Let's save each other. Let's help and hold each other. We are all in the same sinking boat now. Do not pretend it doesn't concern you. It's just a matter of time before you feel it too. So if you are an owner of an apartment in which a family lives and your tenants can't pay their rent right now, just don't kick them out. If there is a man who cannot pay for his food, give him food or at least try to help. If you have a company, please don't kick your people out. They have families too. If every single one of us will do something to help one another, the consequences won't be so big. It may cost a lot right now, but not as much if we are all willing to sacrifice something. We need to learn how to start working together. We are a family on this planet. It's our only home. Hello, my name is Eric Michael Pearson. I live in the United States and I split my time between Brooklyn, New York and South Coast, Massachusetts. The situation in Brooklyn is fairly tame. I don't think people are making that big of a deal out of it, but they are now taking proper precautions. If I go out to you know, get food or anything, the stores are still well stocked. Toilet paper is still hard to get, but for some reason, I don't understand that. But for the most part, you can get what you need. People, for the most part, are wearing masks, uh, often gloves too, and trying to practice social distancing uh, in New York City. Sometimes it's tough in stores because it just is. But for the most part, it's a lot better. I mean, up until a week ago, you could still see people at parks playing basketball, you know, doing things they're clearly not supposed to be doing. And the parks would be filled with runners and families just walking around. And uh, I mean, it's better now. But even a week ago, two weeks ago, it was ridiculous. You people were treating it like it was a vacation, like you could go to a park. There were so many people you couldn't be six feet apart from someone, which is insane. That's New York from my experience. In Massachusetts, where I am right now, uh, after a two-week quarantine in Brooklyn, it's a little bit different. A lot of businesses here are shut down. Uh, they're starting to really get it now. Again, like a lot more masks. I was up here about three weeks ago, and I don't think anybody was taking it seriously. There definitely wasn't this level of protection, but um, I just came back from the grocery store earlier this morning, and I would say... Nine out of 10 people I saw had some sort of protection mask and or gloves. Uh, usually the mask is the first thing that you see. Anyway, uh, that's what it looks like. How is this country handling the outbreak? Well, <laughs> uh, what a divisive question. From my perspective, uh, the federal government has been pretty useless about this uh, since day one. And, you know, you can say what you want about Trump. Um, you can try and defend him. But at, at this point, I, I just I don't understand it. He has claimed that, oh, it's no big deal. It's one guy. We stopped a plane from China. We're going to be just fine. A month later, if there's 100 to 200,000 deaths, then I will have done a great job. So we're living in a dystopian nightmare. 
And that's just the fact of it. Like the federal government can't seem to figure out how to handle this because they're so much more concerned about what it's going to do to the economy. Trump is treating state governors like bastard children. And, you know, if they said good things about him, then they will get equipment and, you know, protective gear for hospitals desperately needed to save American lives. And if you've said anything nasty about Trump, like he won't give it to you. So his ego is so fragile that he's willing to put blood on his hands of his own people because he disagrees with the way that somebody spoke about him. We have a narcissistic, petulant child for a president. So overall, um, you know, I think it's pretty great. We'll probably wrap this shit up by next week. Most of the country has been in self-quarantine for about a month now. It's, I mean, I, I'm kind of into the routine of it. It's like, okay, this is normal, I suppose, for now. I'm not really sure when the first case was. I want to say it was like February 17th was the first time that we knew. It was the same day as South Korea. And uh, they, they did a, a much better job with it. <laughs> Do I know anyone that has had coronavirus? Yep, I've had it. My girlfriend has had it. My mom had it. My younger sister had it for a bit. All of us are doing much better now. My mom got it the worst out of all of us. She still has a bit of a cough, but otherwise okay. The strangest thing about it for me was I had a very light cough for about a week, and I didn't think anything of it. I just thought it was allergies. Then on a Saturday, out of nowhere, like within one hour, I got body aches, fatigued. I had a headache, like closer to a migraine, chest pains, and I lost my t uh, sense of smell and taste and like 100% lost it which was the strangest sensation of all. That happened to everyone else that I know who had it, like directly. I, maybe I gave it to them. I don't know. But, you know, everyone that I was in contact with unfortunately had it. So either I got it from one of them and or I gave it to them. But overall, like, we were very lucky because it wasn't that bad. My mother was the only one who was able to be tested because she's a medical worker. So her test results came back positive about four or five days after she was tested and she's been off work for two weeks she's technically okay to go back but there's no hours for her now because it's an mri facility and they're not doing a ton of work right now so she's not like front lines so to speak but anyway that's that's what it was like for context if it matters i'm 35 my girlfriend is 33 my sister's 33 and my mother is 65 so we all survived it and never felt like we were in any serious harm. But again, we know that we were very lucky. So I'm very thankful for that. The biggest challenge about the whole coronavirus crisis for me and, and most of the people that I know is we still don't know when this quarantine is going to be over. So much work has just come to a screeching halt. And I'm, I'm sure it is worldwide, right? It's I can't pay my bills this month. I don't I don't know when I'll be able to pay them again, you know? New York City is not uh, cheap to live in. I'm likely going to have to move, possibly back in to Massachusetts to help with my family for a bit. I, I don't really know what else to do. I have two rents. I'm a photographer, and I have a studio, and I have an apartment, so it's very expensive. And most of my jobs I get flown to, or I'm on set with you know eight to ten people on average, so I, I can't be working right now, and I have 
no indication of when I'll be able to again. Um, so that's that's absolutely the hardest thing. I'm not sure I would call it a revelation, but something that I have been thinking about a lot is it's crazy how a few months ago, you know, Andrew Yang was a, a presidential candidate here in the States, and he, like, his big platform was he wanted everyone to have a universal basic income of $1,000 a month, I believe that's what it was, to every American citizen. People thought that was ridiculous. People have been saying that, like, Bernie Sanders is, you know, crazy socialist because he wants to make sure everybody has health care. Oh, my God, that could never happen. Because of the coronavirus, now <laughs> we're talking about both of these things in some capacity, like being a real thing that gets implemented in this country, but only for right now. And it took a, a global plague before we said, oh, maybe that's a good idea. Because it really has shown just how fragile our healthcare system is and how many other problems we have within our economy due to capitalism. On a fundamental level, it doesn't work. If it did, there wouldn't be some kind of massive government bailout every decade or so, right? There's always a recession in America every 10 years or so, and then we got to bail out the banks. Like, well, why, why do they get to be socialists and we still suffer as a people? Like, the problems that we have in this country are brought into the spotlight through this pandemic. And the harsh reality is, like, I doubt anything will change after it. Maybe we'll stop going to the office as much because people will get so used to zoom and like that might just be kind of the new future like we don't really need the office that's it's less overhead things like that but it wouldn't surprise me if as far as like healthcare is concerned nothing changes whatsoever because corporate greed wins out because they have more money to throw around who knows who kn I'd, I'd love to be wrong i've always wanted to just get a cabin and live in the woods grow my own food um, that's becoming more appealing. Our last two accounts are from people who are in countries where the outbreak has somewhat been controlled. We will be hearing from Ernest in Taiwan. He is a fellow podcaster. You can listen to his podcast at anchor.fm slash Tamil Chinese. His blog is also credited in the show notes. We will also be hearing from Eric Kim from South Korea. Hello everyone, I'm Ernest from Taiwan. Now I'm living in a city called Xinchu, which is around a one hour driving distance from the capital of Taiwan, Taipei. The latest information that I got about coronavirus here is that we have 329 cases and 5 deaths. Among the 329 cases, there are 13 cases around where I'm living. Taiwan government took action early for being against the virus when there was news about the virus back in January 2020. The time was close to Chinese New Year, a long holiday that people will travel around and spend time with their family. We had our first case on January 20th, three days before the Chinese New Year. I remember seeing people start to buy masks. There was news about most of the masks and medical alcohol are out of stocks in the market. The government started to take some actions to solve the problem, something like restricting the number of masks that people can buy and work with some factories to make masks and medical products. The government put a lot of 
efforts to track all the cases and keep the information transparent. When things get serious, the government starts to make rules to prevent people from spreading the virus and proclaim policies to mend the damage this outbreak caused. So far, people can still go to school, work, basically do whatever they want. But if you are on quarantine, you have to do 14 days of self-quarantines. If these people break the rule, they will get a penalty. Compared with life before outbreaks, I would say life is more inconvenient and brings some uncertainty for the future. People here need to wear masks most of the time, and we also need to wash hands regularly. Life is just not as convenient as before, and commercial activities here is stagnant. It's bringing worries and pressures to a lot of people. Life has been like this for three months. I hope it will be ended soon because I start to feel I'm trapped. I've been through SARS in 2003. I thought this coronavirus is going to be over when the weather is getting hot, just like how SARS disappeared. But when the number of positive cases went up so fast and the virus is spreading around the world, a lot of lockdown between cities and countries announced, I start to be cautious. At the beginning of the outbreak, it's not easy to buy masks. I ran around a lot of shops to find masks, but always no luck. I need to wear a mask when I'm teaching and when I'm taking transportation. Although the government advocates that people aren't sick, don't need to wear masks, but people are just worried and some people might even judge you when you don't wear one. And because I can't find new masks, I have to keep wearing the old one for weeks and spray alcohol on it from time to time to make myself think it is clean, even if it's not. It's actually disgusting to wear a mask for weeks, but I just have no choice. The government set up an online system that many people can order online and get it in the nearby shops like a convenience store. Now I can change new masks when it's needed. Besides working, I lock myself at home most of the time. I just watch a lot of TV series and movies online, um, reading, writing, exercise, indoor. Sometimes I feel like visiting my friend and going somewhere for entertainment. But when I think of, I might catch the virus somewhere then I just retreat. Because if I get a virus, it's not just about me. My students and my colleagues have to be on self-quarantine too. And I will take out a lot of medical resources from the society. I think the biggest challenge for me during this outbreak is how to stay away from the fake news. I don't know if the information that I get is real or not. Also, people spread information that isn't confirmed accurate. It made me confused and anxious. There is already a lot of pressure when dealing with fighting coronavirus, and this inaccurate information spreading is just making things worse. I would try to collect different points of view for the information I get and take in a way that I feel comfortable with. Also, I just try to get adequate information for myself, not too much and it does make me less anxious. Fighting the virus isn't just about ourselves anymore. It's also affecting a lot of people. 
The situation around the world also shows that there are a lot of countries won't be able to handle the virus. Medical supply and supports aren't adequate for the people. At this time, maybe there are a lot of political issues between countries, but I think people should work together, help each other. It would help to put out the virus faster and benefit everyone. Hi Thea and hi everyone from the Optimal Podcast. My name is Eric and I am currently staying in South Korea. The situation here right now is pretty chill and it seems like things are getting better. We still have enough supplies like, like nobody's hoarding anything here. Everything is in order and people are wearing masks. I mean, we don't have curfews. We can do whatever we really, really want to do. All this started by the end of January and got to its climax throughout the month of February. As far as I remember, tracking down patients' movement was what we have been doing from the beginning. I just came from Central America before I came to Korea. I did not do so well in cold weather and my depression got worse as I wasn't able to do so much in this weather and in this corona circumstances. I lost many potential clients, some documents that I needed to process were stuck and not being on the go made me quite upset. I tried to invest in some stocks so I opened myself a stock trading account. However, I found out that the stock market turned into shit just when I was about to start investing. I overcame my challenges of frustration in a belief that I'm not the only one who got fucked over by this situation. Several others have lost their business and employment and now they can't really do so much. I sought comfort that I'm not the only one. In terms of the containment, we only acted after some people who came from China that tested positive. The government tried their best to find out where these people went and what they did. After finding out, they announced in the media and made these business establishments close temporarily and disinfect the area. Other countries did not really do this. Instead, they just locked down cities, depriving people of their freedom of movement. However, Korea also locked down some part of the country, like city of Daegu, where there were mass infection among the cult members of Shincheonji Church, and the government actually accused them of intentionally attempting to spread the infection for their religious purpose. Thus, a lot of people from the city of Daegu and the cities around it had to go through mass examination and treatment. By April 1st, Korea will be enforcing foreigners and Korean citizens entering Korea from another countries with mandatory 15 days quarantine. 
any foreigner who violates this will be deported and any Korean who violates this will not be eligible for government financial aid after quarantine period. When difficult times come, we get to see more selfish people trying to hoard all the resources for themselves and their families. It is an obvious human nature, but these traits, we got to see them more. On the other hand, we also saw a lot of people who put their lives on the line to save and protect others. Doctors and medical staff, police and soldiers, and of course the kind donors who shared what they have for those who don't. But us, the people have been laying low from this pandemic. Our environment was recovering. In long time, I was able to see a clean sky and breathe fresh air. Through this experience, people will learn to see from other point of view and understand. For example, to have sympathy for animals in the cage and people who are locked in prison cells after being forced to stay home and not come out because it feels bad to be stuck in one place. After listening to all these accounts, I learned that the crisis affects people so differently. But if it's one thing we all feel, it's some form of isolation. Uncertainty is deeply isolating, but it's, it's something that we must try to get used to for now and the foreseeable future. Being comfortable and certain of the uncertain, it's, um, it's a hard concept to swallow. I understand more than anyone that opening up and sharing one's feelings, fears, and frustrations, like everyone you've heard from today in this podcast, well, it's difficult, especially during a time like this. Yet I can attest that communicating these things to another person, well, it does help me feel better in some way because I've found that the person I'm talking to, they really understand what I'm feeling. And even though it's scary thinking about the uncertainties of the future, it is necessary. So I hope people can reach out to one another. And if you feel like you don't need the support, I'm sure that the person you are reaching out to may need it. Although we are isolated, the distance can prevent us from connecting. Thank you for listening to The Optimo Podcast. If you have a story to share, you can get in touch with us through our Instagram at Optimo Podcast. Stay safe, everyone. We will get through this together.